very blessed and thankful to have that. And that song was really perfect for what we're talking about in June today. So we're going to be in June. Can't say chapter one because there's only one chapter. And I know there's nobody back here in this closet, but the OCD person in me, somebody's going to rush out or boogie in or do it sometime and get me. So my peripheral vision, I'll be watching a rat or something. I don't know. Don't worry about it. We're going to be in Jude, and we're looking at verses three and four today. And we're talking about the name, I entitled the sermon Diligence. And we talked about the faithfulness of God. But the question we're going to ask today is how faithful are we? Right now in society, we struggle to, to be faithful, to know what to be faithful to, to know what to hold on to the truth. Because we are flooded. Internet and all that, all electronics are great. That they're, they're great tools. But we're flooded with so much information. And again, I'm not being political. Just disinformation, regardless of what it is. It's, it's, we struggle to know what is true. We struggle to know what to hold on to. And then you add the mix of life that what happens to you as you live a life, you can choose to give up on the faith of God and faith in God. Or you can choose, uh, choose to give it up. Uh, we can choose to keep the faith. Too many times I'm seeing a lot of people, and I've heard it over 30-some years of ministry, why I was going with God until. Now, I know we can be away from God, or maybe we never came to God, but it's like, hopefully, keeping the faith, it's not about us being strong enough. On my best day, I couldn't do it. I need Jesus Christ, and I need to understand, and I need the power of the Holy Spirit. But your action step today is keep the faith, and obviously, uh, obviously, you don't know what the point's going to be, but if you made a guess, it's going to be under the word keep, you know? And so, keep the faith. And so, Jude here moves to the purpose of his letter. Okay? And he has two concerns. He doesn't want us to drift away from the truth. And he doesn't want us to lead others away from the truth. Well, I wouldn't do that. But, guys, if we don't hold to God's word, and if we don't go with teaching that holds to God's word, you know, you got two people in a boat trying to go to shore and they're rowing, and one decides to row a different direction or whatever, you're never going to get to that point. So what is that like in a church? When one person is trying to go the right way or a church, but yet we let the drift go and we get further and further away from the truth. Uh, I kind of think that's where we're at in the American church today. But he, I want you to understand this. He's dealing with this in first century. These are new believers. He's already talking about it. So I want us to understand, man's sinful, and we're going to struggle with this stuff, and we just need to hold to the truth. That sounds easy, but we're going to hopefully look at this and see. So let's look at verses 3 and 4. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated uh, for their condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our, our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. Very serious things. And he starts with, in verse 1, beloved. We've seen the word beloved and how, what a wonderful, we may not use that with people that much because they may look at you weird. You called me what? Okay? Uh, but beloved, I mean, we're, it means that we're well loved by God. 
It means that he cares, he knows the very hairs that are on our head. He knows he cares about what's going on. And we're endeared to God. Use the example before, some of us have seen God just willing to strike us and just wait for the next thing and just save us because he had to. No. He doesn't need us, but he loves us. He gave his son for us. And so regardless of your base or what you've been through, uh, we need to understand we're beloved by God. And so, so he's saying, he's calling them beloved. So Jude's saying we're beloved by God, but we also are brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to have that relationship where God's people, uh, we're closer to them than they may not know God. And it's not like it's any club or anything like that, but we're family. Sometimes we can't pick our physical family, but we have a spiritual family. And so we need to be endeared to them. Doesn't mean we all get along all the time, and there's some healthy separations, but that base of having a relationship with God. Notice, he was eager. He, he desired to write to them. Uh, and he talks about this common salvation. You know, well, are there other kinds of salvation? No. But why can I go across the world and meet somebody that may speak a different language, and we're part and, brother, and can be beloved, we have a common thing in the sense it's Jesus Christ. That we've realized that we're sinners, that we've asked him to come into our lives, and we're following him as Lord. And so what Jude's saying here is I really want to talk to you about, you know, what we share in Christ. But something changed here that he needed to deal with it. He said, I, I wonder, and he was talking about that salvation. It was delivered, it was, which means it was entrusted to us. So this is what I want you to understand. What we're dealing with right now is how, how does someone come to Christ? How is someone saved? Some people would say, well, you've got to do this, this, and this to be saved. You've got to do this, this, and this to stay saved. Some people, and this is what makes, makes a cult, uh, yeah, Jesus is good, but you need to have this also. In John 14, 6 is your cult buster verse. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. And so... We, that's been, those, those of us that have received Christ and me as your pastor, it has been entrusted to me, delivered to us through God's word, through individuals passed down. The, I, I want you to think the awesomeness. 2,000 years ago, Christ died and was buried and rose from the dead. And the church was established in the Bible, God's people. And the purity of that message has lasted 2,000 years. So let me ask you this. Do you want that message to fail with you? I don't. Two thousand years. Do we want to be? Do we want to be the generation? Oh, we missed. We missed it. You know, we watered it down. But no corrections, no deletions, and no additions. Jesus plus nothing. Jesus subtracted nothing. We're saved through Christ, through His death, burial, and resurrection, through the and realizing our sin and calling to Him to save us. And so that's what he's saying here. I wanted to talk to you about the salvation that we have in common that was delivered, that was entrusted to us. And I really want you to think about that. I kind of hit it home a lot of times, but why do you think we're still here, really? Struggling with sickness, struggling with, with man's sinfulness. Because he says he wants all to be saved and none to perish. And he gives them the great commission. Guess what? He gives you, Christian, the great commission. You are entrusted with the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
don't want you to feel bad. I want you to feel burdened, as I always say. And so, so he said, I want to talk to you about this, the message that was entrusted to us. But then he says it was necessary. It was really important. And he says, I appeal to you. I want to encourage you that you need to defend the truth. In our society today, we get it wrong either way. I'm going to be an undercover Christian, and I'm going to keep quiet and let them go their own way. People make their own decisions, but you're the spiritual mailman or person. Let's be correct, okay? And here's the deal. I know it wasn't due for gender. There's male women and male... We're talking about delivering the mail, okay? M-A-I-L. All right. All right, again. But his brother wasn't that bad. <laughs> that was from the joke last week. See, you guys are not even awake, okay? All right. But our job is to deliver the message. And so some of you are like, I hope they don't figure it out, but I do believe this. Okay, we're wrong. And some of you are like, take your 20-pound Bible and smack them in the head, get right. Both of those are not the right way of doing it. Because Matthew 5, 16 says, let your lights shine before men that they'll see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You can try to hide that light, but it's still going to be a glow, and they're going to, what's that? Okay? But then you go to 1 Peter you know, 3, uh, and, and he talks about, give a reason for the hope that you have, yet with gentleness and peace. Again, he said, we've got to, I've I, I got to talk to you about the fact that there is stuff creeping into the church, and you need to defend the truth. There's a point in our actions, what we do and what we don't do, and in our words that we defend the truth. What happens if the gospel was entrusted to the people that brought to you if they decided not to defend the truth? You wouldn't be here. You wouldn't have that foundation. So your first feeling, keeping the faith means, means we must keep it a priority. Why are we here? Yes, I enjoy life. And I have a good time. And God designed it for us to enjoy the things here. And, and Solomon talks about that in Ecclesiastes. And, you know, to enjoy the, the simple things. But let's, why are we still here? Think about it. If you believe God and you receive Christ... The only reason we're still here is to keep the faith and to share the faith. We'll get into that in more detail, but the faith basis is the, is the gospel. And so we do this when we contend for it. He uses the word contend for it. Struggle earnestly, wrestle, uh, and fight for it. So we need to fight for the faith. And I, I, and I hesitate to use the word fight because I'm going to get in there and get with you. I, I don't really want to fight with anybody. And it's not because... It's not because, you know, I don't want to stand up for anything, but in my natural inclination, it's like, hey, that's you, and this is me, and I'll be over here. You know, and the crazier the world gets, it's like there's a lot of outward crazy going on right now. And the devil's using that. But he says, you need to struggle earnestly for the faith. This isn't a side thing. This is our main priority, and we need to fight for it. Again... How did you receive the gospel if you received the gospel? How did you get to this point? Because somebody said that this was worth standing and fighting and wrestling with. And so he called them to contend for the faith. And the problem, uh, the problem is people are trying to add to it or delete from it. And that word, the, the faith, he's talking about, he's talking to the saints. He's calling us to be holy. He's calling us to be set apart. He's calling us to have conviction. We don't... Hear the word conviction instead of what they get in for. 
But that's not what he, he was, was he convicted, okay? No, conviction is say, says, I believe this strong enough that I'm willing to match up with my actions. And just like Martin Luther, not King, but the original Martin Luther said when he hung the 95 Theses and then he, and then he was brought in by the church and the church was corrupt at that time, the organized church, and, and he said I, they wanted him to recant. They wanted him to go back and say, I didn't, and he said this, I cannot, I will not recant, here I stand. Why is that important us today? Because honestly, if Martin Luther hadn't read Romans in the original Greek, we all wouldn't be here. Because he realized grace is how we're saved. And he had the pressure, again, talking about Jude, within the church, because this is the problem we're dealing with, the pressure in the church universal that they're saying, you can't say that because we'll lose control. You can't say that because people just go crazy. I cannot, I will not, or can't. What was he standing on? He was standing on the Word of God, specifically the book of Romans. And you know what? And all you can do is stand according to Ephesians, stand on the rock of Jesus Christ. And so, so faith being set apart, the Christian faith founded in the gospel, delivered to us, no additions, no subtractions, the faith. The body, it is the body of beliefs that has been handed down to us by the apostles for us believers to hold the real doctrine of true faith. Later on, it probably won't be at the end of this year, but next year, we're going to do a series on what we believe. Well, I already know what I believe. Well, let's see what the Bible says. Okay, okay. Help us out there. But there's a section of things with Scripture on what we should believe. Not because your pastor said it, not because we're a Baptist church, not ashamed of that. But these are things, according to the Word, that are part of the faith. What we believe about Scripture, what we believe about life, what we believe about marriage. All these things are in Scripture and very clear. The reason we struggle with them is we don't want to obey them. Or we want to be the undercover Christian. So it's a body of beliefs. If we're going to keep the faith, we must know what we believe and why we, God wants all believers to understand the faith. Your next feeling, keeping the faith means we endeavor to fight for it. One, did you see how this works? It's got to be a priority. Isn't it interesting the things in your life that are priorities that, no, you can't have that. That's my last cookie and I've been hiding it. Not that I've been there, okay, or any of those things. And, and on Wednesdays, when the ladies bring stuff, that's a good reason to come Wednesday. So we have some really good coffee time. And sometimes I'll have something that Heather may like. And if they don't give me two, it mysteriously never makes it home to Heather. Okay? But, but, but I'm not saying anything happens. But, but it's, it's really interesting. Keep it, the things we prioritize, the things we endeavor to fight for. See, guys, let's get real. These times are weird. And they were weird first century Christians, but it's like, man, I don't want to fight. And guys, when I say the word fight, again, wrestle with, it's not about being belligerent, or it's not about jumping on people, but you know what? When it's time for you to give a reason for the hope that you have, you need to do it in gentleness and peace, you need to deliver the mail and just let it sit there and love people. But what we're dealing with is we're like, this is getting too hard. I'm getting labeled with the rest of these crazies. And that's not me. You know what? What did Paul say? That even the lost speak well of you. If you are kind and speak the truth, I find that people respect people that at least stand for something than just are all over the place. 
And so we need to endeavor to fight for it. Again, how did you come to believe those that have received Christ? Somebody didn't, it was entrusted to them, they took it seriously, and they endeavored to fight for the truth. To know, to know, we need to know what we're fighting for, and we need to know what we're fighting against. I want you to think about that. We're fighting for the faith, but now we're going to get to the fact, what are we fighting against? And again, I want to help you with that. Ephesians says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. My fight is not with that individual. And they're making their choices. But my fight, and I don't want, I don't want to take Satan directly on myself. I'm going to let Jesus you know, handle that. But we need to realize that Satan is lying to people to still kill and destroy. To one, keep people out of heaven, and to keep Christians seated. In the sense of, let's go undercover, let's do our own thing. So look at verse 4. For certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God and the sensuality, and deny our Master and Lord Jesus Christ. So the problem was, there, there were certain uh, individuals, they were false teachers, they had entered the church, and they were, they were stealing in among the believers. It's kind of weird. I mean, I know cows can kind of handle themselves a little bit better with coyotes. I'm not going to say that something's not going to happen. But it was, it was interesting. One time I was hunting, a long time ago, obviously, and, and um, with my father-in-law. And we were, you get up early in the morning, okay, and there was mist on the moor. We don't have moors, but anyway, there was, there was a fog and everything. And the cows were out there in the field. No, we weren't going to shoot deer where the cows are. Okay, come on, give me a break. I only do that twice. But anyway, it was tasteful. Okay, anyway. Uh, it's a joke. But anyway, so we're out there, and it was so eerie. There was this mist. You could see the cows, and then you could see the coyotes just going in among the cows. Once you understand that picture in the church, he's talking about this in first century. Now, I want to understand. We talked about the pastor. We talked about the elders and the importance of it. And I am not this great shepherd. I am an under-shepherd. But my responsibility, and sometimes it's interesting within the church that you deal with, we're not letting that distruth in here, that coyote sneak in here, that wolf or whatever. And sometimes you can deal with that mistruth and, and the person corrects, and that's great. But this is what was happening in the church. And guys, I don't have to sell you anything. Let's talk about the American church today. Let's look at where we're at. We try to pick on one sin that's, that's evident today, but we, this downward the, the slide, we have been letting these things into church and saying they're okay. Now, I want to be really clear about this. Guess what? I know it's hard for you to believe, but there are sinners here today in this congregation. I'll point you out later or publicly. No, I'm teasing. We're all, we're all sinners, and we all struggle with, with stuff. And I want you to understand the ideal of the church. The ideal of the church is, one, Baptized believers in the sense of, in the sense of, and you're saved even if you're not baptized, it's something you should want to do. But here, here's the deal. Yes, the church is compiled. Uh, the church are people that have been saved. But guess what? The church is also for the unsaved, that they may be outward in their sin as long as it's not hurting the body. As long as they're not in leadership. But the goal is that they hear the word, they hear the truth, and that they commit to it. They submit to it, that they get saved. But what we're dealing with here, 
So these are people, I would say they're not Christians, or they're baby Christians, or immature, or whatever, that they're false teachers, so they're probably not Christians, obviously, and they're coming in, and they look good, they say the right things, you just got to be off a little bit to miss it. Now, I don't go around saying, you know, somebody new comes to the church, and you know, I got to, you know, just be ultra uh, strict and all this kind of stuff, but as the pastor and the under-shepherd and leaders in the church, I need to be aware not to just let people into stuff before we, we kind of, I hate using this word, kind of vet them out on where they are in the word. Not their knowledge, but is the word the thing they believe? Is it their capstone? Is it their base? You know, that kind of thing. Where is Jesus? But the problem we see here, and I'm going to pick on the American church because we're in America, is we've let false teachers in. And we've just trusted them to interpret the word. And I appreciate you trusting me, but you guys are Berean. You all sometimes po uh, point out when I throw a bad joke, yes, I'm bitter, not better. Okay, all right, all right. All right. Or the fact I mispronounce something, or I may get the, the scripture reference wrong, but that's great. That's okay. Rodney Dangerfield of pastors, no, no respect, I'm teasing, all right. But... What we're dealing with here is the fact that we need to, you need to be Berean. The Bereans search the scriptures daily to see what Paul was saying is true. That's accountability. That's good. But what we're seeing here is these came in, they were respected, they looked right, they smelled right, whatever. And they were teaching, oh, well, it must be true. Because pastor whatever said that, or teacher whatever said that. Well, what does God's word say? And so that's what was happening there. That's why I think the majority of the American church is where it is today. And notice this. They crept in unnoticed. Unaware. Secretly. Well, they sound right. They look right. And they're even acting right. So maybe what they're saying is true, and I never thought of it that way. It's okay to say that, but here's where the bottom line with it, whether it's me, yourself, or anybody else. What does God's word say? And we need to hold to that. That's our sin. And notice what the, he says here. To smuggle. The, to worm their way in. Uh, this evil disguise of... And, and you know, it's not the facts. Here's what I want you to understand. C.S. Lewis said the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So a lot of these people aren't like, I'm going to go in and mess people up and send them to hell. But what I'm saying is what makes these false teacher teachings is like, I'm not going to submit to what God's word really says. And I've told you guys I'm a soft stone wall. There may be some things in scripture I don't understand, but I'm going to be careful and want to move on it unless I understand it. Because I answer to you and I answer to God if I get it wrong. Now, if I tell you the truth and I try best to define, to, to, to see what God's word said and you hear it, then it's on you. Just like the mailman, we deliver the mail and then it's on them. But we've got to be really careful in this. And so they're, they're stealing in, they're worming their way in. Well, they've been with us so long and they're this and this brother-in-law or they're this and this sister and so we can't do anything. And you know, when a church spends years doing like that, and you wonder why they're doing no good for the kingdom of God. Warmed in. Well, we can't correct them. They've been here forever. They've been doing this position forever. And then, and then you know, these new pastors that come in, 
you know, they got to be careful. You don't just sit there and make changes really quick and all these kind of things. But then they're a new pastor and they see blatant spiritual things that go against God's word that have been entrenched in a church. You need to work towards getting that right and back to God's word. And I'm going to give it all to God. But the last church that I was in, it took 11 years to do that. Exciting. <laughs> but, but it was a better place. And those things, we'll get here in a minute, those things where someone was going off a cliff and you need to jerk a knot in somebody's tail spiritually, you do it. And those things that took long term, you dealt with it that way. But we've got to, we, these are false teachings that have wormed them way, their way into the church. And so here's Satan's strategy. His goal is to resist the kingdom and to resist people getting saved. And he works in deception and distortion. And they didn't belong to the true church. They were wolves among the sheep, and they were deceivers of the truth. And, and notice this. Notice what happened to these false teachers. They were designated. They were adorned. They were predicted beforehand that they were going to be condemned, damned to hell. Well, how can a loving God? I want you to understand. Loving God doesn't make the decision for you, but he knows the decisions you're going to make. Yes, your mind is blown. Doesn't make the decisions for you, but knows the decisions you're going to make. So he knew that they were going to be false teachers, that he knew they were going to choose false doctrine, and what he's saying, they are destined to hell because of their choice. And so that how very serious that is. And so your next feeling, if we're going to keep the faith, we need to be entrenched in it. What does that look like? We need to understand it. Uh, it's not to sell Wednesday nights. But you're missing out on Wednesday nights if you don't come. If it made you feel bad, that's just the way it is. Okay? Not because we want more people all the time or all that. It's just it's good fellowship. There's something for everyone. We're going to work towards other things. But, you know, uh, when we're doing the Bible study, there's four questions that we ask when we're studying a piece of Scripture. What does it say? What does it mean? How would you say it? Because our language has changed. And then what do you need to do with it? What does it say? What does it mean? How would you say it? And what do I need to do with it? So you get back here on being entrenched in the truth and then in the faith. First of all, you've got to understand it. I'm not saying any of you don't understand it, but God's laid in my heart that it's a good review that probably towards the, uh, next year we're going to go through what we believe. And I know a lot of you know that. I know a lot of you know these things, but it's good to be reminded. And to know that there's a scripture that goes with that and we're not just trying to make a scripture fit. So you need to understand our faith. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God and that it's impossible to please God if we don't come to him by faith and taking that. And we need to understand, I have faith in Jesus Christ. This is who Jesus Christ is. This is his word. This is what. And then that leads to we need to study it. If we're going to be entrenched, we need to understand it. And we understand it by studying it. And that means in corporate Bible study and what's happening here, but also individually. Oh, here's the last one. It goes back to those four questions. What does it say? What does it mean? How would I say it? And what are you going to do with it? See, a lot of times in churches, you got fat little babies, spiritually, Paul talks about. They've been drinking the milk and all this stuff, and they're not in, getting into solid foods. And then, then you've got, I always think of a dog tick. Hey, you got time before lunch to get ungrossed out, but, you know... And then the fun of popping a dog tick. We won't get into that, okay? Black stuff everywhere. But a dog tick, get over it. Okay. So, 
So you, a dog tick is like that gray, and they just swell up because they're feeding on the dog. That's sometimes how we can be as Christians. I'm going to understand the word. I'm going to study it, but there's no way I'm applying it to my life. And you know what? I'm not trying to be mean. Why are you messing and wasting your time? And it's not a waste of time. Being entrenched means we understand God's word by studying God's word, and then guess what? What are you going to do with it? I gave you the, your action step. I give you an action step every Sunday. Keep the faith. And we're trying to unpackage that. So we need to be entrenched in it. When you're entrenched, I mean, you know, the, you know, I'm on ticks today, okay? But those ticks, and I, I know I made the mistake. I didn't have tweezers with me, but I found the ticks. Like, I'm getting that thing off and just picking. But you want to see the bruise, okay? Whatever. But, but we got to make sure we get the head, okay? I'm not, I'm not making light of it because these are serious things. But we need to be entrenched in the Word. In the faith, to the point that we understand it, we study it, we live it. Because why? Why? Because the, the why are they being condemned? Why are they ordained for this? Because they are ungodly men. They get they give out false truth. They deny the truth that Jesus is. They'll say, "I like Jesus. Jesus is a good teacher." But what about we add this? Or what about we subtract this? And what's interesting, everybody likes the parables till you read the last part. And Jesus is really clear on this stuff. We either we need to read the whole word or not. And so they'll deny Jesus is the only way. There's many ways to God. No. Jesus is the only one in all the religions that said John 14, 6, it says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Argue with him. His word. Um, they turned the grace of God into ungodliness. I mentioned before when I, I thought I'd go to Bible college and I'd be perfect and my country music career in Nashville didn't uh, play out, but the Bible college was there. And so I'm getting there thinking I'm going to get all my life straight. Not that my life was, yeah, not like I was a hellion or anything, but, you know, oh, this is going to be the place I can deal with all my stuff. First day I'm with some older students. We're at a restaurant and they still, the waitress is Tim. And I'm like, What? You guys are supposed to be the super Christians here at this great college. And uh, a lot of people lean into God's grace too much, and they're not leaning to God's grace. It's cheap grace, and we believe in a costly grace that Jesus died for that. But this is what the false teachers do. I just keep stretching that out. Because, see, I came from a legalist standpoint where I've got to do this, this, and this to be saved. I've got to do this, this, and this to stay saved. So grace scared the crud out of me because I saw a lot of cheap grace. I don't want to even call them Christians where I can do whatever I want. Here's the thing about it is, when you love something or somebody, it's amazing the stuff you'll do with them. I talk about older men who carry their wives' purses. Why are they carrying their wives' purses? Because they love their wife. Why do we do things for people that we normally wouldn't do? Because we love them. And so we don't abuse their love. And these false teachers were abusing God's grace. And that's why I call it cheap grace. Um, they, uh, they, misuse, uh, they, they misuse God's grace as a license to sin. Well, I'm saved. I can go and confess it. Yeah, he can forgive you. But, you know, there's also a thing. Are you serious? It's not like I'm serious and I'm going to do better and I'll try to do better. Are you, we, we talked about in our, our Bible study today. We're going through the Beatitudes. And, and blessed are those that mourn. And we all mistakenly take that mourn to mean somebody's died. But what he's talking about here is spiritual. 
And the, fact, the first beatitude is that blessed are those that are poor, spiritually poor, realizing that they need Jesus. And then next thing, he's talking about spiritual mourning on when's the last time you grieved over your sin? But these false teachers are saying, hey, i got a license to sin because I'll just ask Jesus to forgive me. No. They deny Christ as Lord because when they don't do it, again, we're saved by grace. And it took me 30 years to embrace that because I was scared. Well, I'm just going to go run and do whatever I want if I'm that free. But I love Christ and I don't want to hurt him and I don't want to hurt that relationship. But when we don't follow Christ, we're saying, you're not Lord in that area of my life. This is why I learned scripture. This is why you know, I talk to you about, I'm always waiting for the next shoe to drop. And I realize I know scripture now that if I do that, I am denying that Christ isn't big enough to handle that. And I'm sinning. They deny that he's Lord. In other words, I'm going to follow him and let him guide my life. And then they deny that he's God, that he's able to empower them and help them. And this is where it came. And so they claim to know God, but they deny him with their, their actions. That's the bottom line. They reject their morals because they reject the master. They claim to know God. See, a lot of people, they like Jesus. He's a good guy. He said good things, but that's where it ends. Or the ones sneaking into the church, universal. Well, we can all talk about Jesus. We can all talk about these things. But then when you get to certain points where his word is clear, uh, not so much. 2 Peter uh, 2.19 says this. They're, they're enslaved to sin. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are enslaved, uh, slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that they are enslaved. So they're enslaved to their own desires. And in the midst, it's one thing for one person to be enslaved, but you're in the church speaking lies and leading other people down the path of hell. They did this because, and they did this because, why? The word says perverted. That means they, they twisted the truth. And they twisted the grace of God. You don't need Jesus or you need Jesus and this, or whatever, instead of the simplicity and purity of the gospel, Jesus Christ alone. In the, and how did they do it? They did it in their sensuality. Uh, the word filth, no shame, no restraint, unredeemed passions, free to do whatever they want, whenever they want. Sound familiar? My goodness. I'm glad for ratings on TV now, but I'm convinced anybody can see anything they want, any kind of sinful act, unrestrained. This was sneaking into the church. They were distractors of the truth. First of all, they were deceivers. Notice the first, what Satan said in the garden. Did God really say that? The deceivers were the ones that, hey, you look right. And you're talk right, and you're using some... And this is why, you think pastor's picking on you because, oh, he's got to read Bible and all this kind of stuff. I believe every Christian should be a student of the Bible. And you can read it, and there, I'm sorry, there are too many versions of the Bible to understand. Um, if, and I'm not downing, because I had problems reading when I was growing up. Uh, the, they'll read to you. There are too many tools for you not to consistently study the Word of God. And so we, we need to do that. But what we're seeing here is 
we have these people that they've gotten into the church and then they've introduced false truths and then we get challenged with it and they sound right and then we get into a physical relationship. We, we're, we're, we're friends with them and we, we've gotten to love their companionship or whatever within the church and we're like, and, and I've been in churches like that. Well, we can't correct that because they've been here so long. We can't correct that because they're this person's relative. Well, God's word says this and we're in sin. And this is why it goes back to me and it goes back to the leadership in the church. Guess what Peter said that we just studied? You guys are first Peter experts. But he said, discipline begins in the house of the Lord. We're not supposed to discipline the lost, but when you have deceivers in the church, you need to deal with it. Because now we're dealing with in the American church the fact of discipline not being happening. And so now everybody's like, well, we can't change this. And so they're, they're distorters of the truth. You know, anything goes. Does it really look like that? They're nearsighted on what God's Word said. And, what, and I'm passionate about this because I need to be passionate about this. And we need to contend for the faith. And we need to keep the faith. Because we're in the situation we're in now in the American church because we have not done this. They've distorted the faith and we're spiritually nearsighted. If I took my contact out, you'd all look a lot better because you'd be fuzzy. I'm just teasing. Come on, get over it. All right. But, but you know what it's like? I'm at that stage where it's like, I think I see that out there. It kind of looks the shape of it. But guys, in the Christian life, God's really clear about most things than not. And so they've deceived, they've gotten in the church, and then they're destroying the church, God's word, anything goes, and then they deny. They refuse to submit to Christ's lordship and his Godhead. Uh, Titus 1.16 says this, They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. And what we're dealing with is, oh, but they're so good, and I like them. And I don't really want to know what people give, but I've been in churches where it's like, well, you know they're a good giver. Well, maybe I don't know, but you know what? Who cares if they're a good giver if they're not following God? God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He doesn't need my money. He doesn't need your money. He lets us be part of it. But I say this with passion because this is where we're at in the American church. Do I feel like we're here in our church? No, our church is perfect. Everybody else is bad. No! But the one thing I felt about Bass Chapel is that it's got good bones. And it's teachable. And the fact that it has good structure. And if these things were going on in the church, we would deal with it. I don't feel that they are, but I want you to understand when I say the church, universal, it's believers all over this world. They deny Christ as the only one true God. And like I said, John 14, 6. And 1 John 4, verses 2 and 3 says this. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. So Jesus Christ was human. He came in the flesh. Verse 3. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. But this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming, now is in the world already. He was talking again to the first Christians there. But he says, those that do not confess Jesus came, and that he was more than just a human. Because where is his body? I can say it's hidden, but where it's supposed to be, it's not there. He's alive. 
This means right now we must be earnest. We've got to be steadfast. We need to contend for the faith. We need to be faithful. We need to rightly interpret the word. And we need to guard against the deceivers and the distorters and the deniers. There's your three Ds. Those are the false teachings. And you know, I, I, I talked about the fact that my oldest son is going to be ordained and and. The church there, like this church has done, they go through a process of, of I'm, I can't think of a better word from, than vetting right now, but to prove out, hey, this person says they're called. There's a lot of people that's like, they come up to me over the past 30 years, and they say, what do you do? And it's like, I'm not goofing off, but it's hard to explain some things. And then I get the ones that come up, I want to do what you do, translation. It looks easy, and you only work on Sunday. Okay, for about an hour. And you're kind of okay at it, so I guess I could just be okay at it. You know, I'm, I'm not saying I receive it that way, but anyway. Uh, but over the years. But, guys, there are men here that laid hands on me to strangle me as a youth minister. Okay, I know, but laid hands on me to ordain me into the ministry. And I know that they took it seriously. And so, we need to take this seriously because there's counterfeit leaders there's counterfeit pastors and you see the progression of this if a church doesn't have a pastor that holds to the truth if a church doesn't have leaders that hold to the truth saying god's word is a standard it is christ alone then what are they producing as disciples and what are they producing as ministers that can stand up here at the pulpit and tell you anything if i wanted to i know some of you would, would ferret it out you know but the, a lot of people, I could just probably make it sound good, throw in a scripture, and lead you down a bad path. We need to take seriously God's word. And we need to take seriously what we're talking about. And so your last one, part of keeping the faith means we must protect it. We must protect it against the deceivers, those that come in. And again, I don't want you to look at anybody that comes in the church, they're a deceiver. i got to know if they're a deceiver. I don't look at it that way. But here's the deal. If, if there's, if, if I'm not, Proverbs tells me, know your sheep by name and, and carefully attend to your flocks. I need to be aware. We need to be aware. And most people, they're just coming from a base. We all need to grow deeper in the word. And so we don't need to, you're a deceiver. <laughs> you're a distorter. You know, you're, doing, you're one of the three Ds. You're a denier of Christ. No. We can say, hey, God's word says this. Let's look in here. And if they accept it, good. We're talking about those that it's like, they don't come in naturally, but they're, here's what, where they're being pushed. I want to be liked. I want our church to be liked. I want us to go in the stream of culture. I want to be liked. I want our church to be liked, but you know what's more important? That Jesus likes us. We know he loves us. That Jesus, so you go in Revelations, and he talks about the churches there, and you know, he says, you, you, need to, you need to get this right. We need to be a standard for Jesus. And so we need to protect it as a church. We need, you need to protect the faith individually. And again, it doesn't mean jumping on people. But I hope that you're convicted. Look, I am making the standard. I am committing every day that it's Jesus plus nothing. And that Jesus lived, that he died, that he was buried, that he rose. That Jesus is my Savior. That He is the only way to salvation. And Jesus is the only Lord that I follow. And I hope you're making a commitment today and continual commitment. God's Word said it. So that settles it. 
There's a lot of things you may say, I don't understand it, but don't make that excuse because you just need to study it. You need to ask others. Why? Because it's important to keep the faith. If we get anything out of today, I ask you the question, how did you get here? Well, I drove my car. No, I didn't mean that. How did you get here in your relationship? It's because somebody realized that the salvation was entrusted to them. The word was entrusted to them. How did you get your Bible here that is whole and, clo and, and close to the original text? Because somebody followed this. They fought for it. Is Jesus Christ worth fighting for? Is his word worth fighting for? Yes. So as we stand on our feet and have a time of invitation, look at these questions here. You need to ask yourself the question, how well am I keeping the faith? Let's look at these questions here for a minute to bring them up. I always forget I got the questions. Okay. As they make their way up. There's your question. No question. Don't worry about it. Okay. All right. Are, how well are you contending for the faith? Again, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to smack people around the Bible. I didn't say that. Draw a circle around yourself. Let revival start with you. First of all, I believe I've been saved from Jesus and my works. You need to, I don't want you to doubt your salvation. You need to ask the question, has Christ saved me? What are you adding? What are you subtracting? Are you obeying? Lord, I just ask today, however we need to be obedient, that we will contend, that we will keep the faith. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.